Hi there. This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the Spirit. Lord, tonight I ask that everyone is blessed, defied, strengthened, encouraged through the teaching of your word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I ask that there will be specific instructions, all right, laid in the hearts of people specifically, all right, instructions that they can implement tomorrow instructions that they can implement this month, instructions that they can still execute before the end of this year. It will be very clear. It will be very clear, unambiguous, very clear in their spirit. They will know exactly what to do. Lord, in the name of Jesus, remove every darkness, remove every gray areas regarding their life, regarding the next move, regarding an opportunity, regarding you know, a decision they are about to make. Make everything as clear as day in the name of Jesus. Do not let them depend on the natural light that comes from the sun. Lord, become to them an everlasting light. Become their God, become their glory. In the name of Jesus, I ask that everyone bless the fast strength and encourage through the teaching of your word tonight and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, sweet Holy Spirit. Help me, provide me utterance, and let this word pierce through the hearts of anyone that is hearing this, and let it break down every defense so that the word of God will grow mightily in your heart until it prevails. For in Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Amen and amen. All right, hallelujah. <laughs> God's word is so beautiful. It's so beautiful. If you if you will come to God's word with excitement, you can't leave the same way you came. If you come to God's word with expectations, you can't leave the same way you came. It will definitely give you something to leave with. Praise the name of the Lord. All right, so by the grace of God, we'll start this very short series, which I believe the Holy Spirit has inspired into my heart because it's a word in season. It's a word that a lot of us really, really need in this time and age. We found ourselves, especially as Nigerians, and especially, um, you know, because of our demography, we're very young people. And because of what, you know, uh, characterizes our demography, there is a lot of transition, all right? Our demography, we are almost always all right uh, just as a way of engaging the audience as well uh, could you just type in the chat room okay type in the chat room transition moments associated with our demography okay just so that we can get in the groove before we get straight into what the lord will have us share tonight you know example say for example new jobs okay new jobs new relationships what are the transition moments that you can recognize Okay, <laughs> top on the list, Jackma. <laughs> Praise God. Top on the list, Jackma. You know, people moving, moving countries, moving nations, literally transatlantic, transcontinental, moving away from, you know, Nigeria to Europe to North America, some to Germany, you know, of course, uh, Asia, South America, other African countries. In fact, other states in Nigeria, moving location, job relationships, marriage, yes, marriage. Uh, yes, the marriage is actually saying marriage. <laughs> I see you, Mrs. Chukuneta. All right, yeah. Parenting, yes, well, very heavy stuff, very heavy. Parenting is, oh dear God, is <laughs> a major transition. Okay, so th these are common transitions. Um, especially associated with our demography. New church as well is a transition. New church, okay, when you move churches, when you join a new assembly, 
it's a it's a huge it's a huge transition many people may not recognize it as one but it's a huge one as a matter of fact it can set your life on a different cause entirely you know just joining up with, with a new assembly so powerful career growth powerful thank you yeah career growth uh a new faith for those who perhaps are rededicating their lives to jesus or those just coming into the faith for the first time it's a new season it's a huge transition in fact i think that's the biggest of all transitions we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and that's huge that's very very massive you know coming into a new faith especially one with our lord jesus christ all right and, and you know of course there are some other types of transitions maybe not so connected with our demography but you know they're worth mentioning other mentions will be retirement it's a huge transition especially for our parents for people who are more elderly who've spent several years in you know civil service or in an organization spent 25 30 years and they're giving you a restoration a few benefits gratuity that's a huge transition some people don't know how to handle things like that you know there are players who do not know when to retire <laughs> for example you know retirement is a huge thing Praise God. You know, losing a loved one can be a huge transition. Do you see? You know, it's a huge transition. How do you cope going forward? We have widows, widowers, you understand? People who've lost children, for example. These, these are not seasons you take for granted. They are huge transitional seasons in people's lives, all right? Changing careers, living alone. For someone who used to live with children, live with, you know, husband, all that, and then suddenly all your children are married and then you lost a husband and bam, you're just all by yourself living alone you know depression can begin to set in transitions are real transitions are things that will happen through the course of our lives all right and it's important that we understand how to manage them because a lot of people have become victims of the transitions that they have endured a lot of people have become victims just in the blurb that i shared earlier on the of the group i mentioned how that some people's faith will not have been shipwrecked if we all lived on the university campus for the rest of our lives. That is, their faith would have had nothing done to it, all right? It would have been good, fine, calm, collected, connected to Jesus, and having a swell time in the Holy Ghost if they had not left campus, if they'd never graduated. Do you see? That transition affected their uh, private relationship with God. Do you understand? Some people were fine until they got married. Some people were good until they joined the church. Some people were fine until they connected to a mentor, a spiritual leader, until they started listening to a prophet. These are transitional moments. And it's important how you manage your seasons of transition. As a matter of fact, I really believe one of the reasons why people do not handle their transitional seasons is because they don't recognize when it's happening. Many people are just flowing in direct transition without fully conscious of what is really going on. That's just happening to the things that are happening to them. Those things are literally happening to them, and they are just flowing uh, along with the tides. Everybody's graduating, so me too, I will graduate. Everybody's going to live. about how that many people sometimes waste their transitions or do not take or maximize or optimize their transitional seasons because they don't even recognize that it's happening. You know, a transition is upon you and you're not even aware of it. And so you just take it for granted and you're just flowing with the tide, just like every other person. You're just graduating because everybody's graduating. You're going to law school because everybody's going to going to law school. You're serving because everybody's serving. Everybody's serving in Lagos, so you're serving in Lagos. Oh, people are looking for mentors, so you just get yourself a mentor. You shop for a mentor. Any kind of mentor is fine. You just shop for a mentor and you get under such a person. 
oh, prophecy is what is raining now. And then go look for a prophet that begins to prophesy doom into your life. And transitions are happening all the time. But a lot of people are not even conscious of the fact that I'm moving. There's a transition upon me right now. And so it's important that we learn how to handle transitions, especially because we're in that season where a lot of transitions will be happening in our lives. Now, I'll give this very quick example because it was something that resonated so well with me. Uh, if you go to, of course, you don't have to do that right away. But if you go to our SoundCloud page right now, it will surprise you to see that th there are a number of faces on the frame, the picture frame at the top of the page. All right. There's a picture there. It's an old picture. I think we should change it, by the way. All right. But we took that picture several years ago. Well, maybe not several years ago, but a couple of years ago at Cedar Center. All right. Um, you know, our first venue. All right. When we started out and 26 faces are recognizable within that frame. But it will surprise you to know, or maybe not even surprise you so much, all right, because um, nine of them are the only ones out of the 26. Only nine of those 26 are still in the tribe today, which is a which can be extrapolated to tell you how much transition has happened in this church over the last three years. All right. Over the last that's only about 35 percent of people who in that picture are still members of the church today. <laughs> That's symbolic, isn't it? And that number may even reduce further. <laughs> Praise God. So I'm not oblivious. In fact, when we started out the church, it was almost like God made it very clear to me that this will be a season where you have to be very comfortable with pastoring people in transition. And I got comfortable with it early on because the people who have left this church can start two churches, <laughs> literally. Amen. Do you understand? Because we're about 13, the started PowerPoint tribe. Praise the name of the Lord. They can literally start two churches and they will have all the cadres of leadership. They will have pastors, they will have directors, they will have DC, they will have Alexia, they will have everybody. You know, on that level of uh, hierarchy in that sense. Just to tell you, give you an idea of the number of transitions that have happened. And so if we are not ready for transitions and transitions happen, we will become victims of those transitions. Some people got into a new season of their lives. And because they did not understand the power of what was going on in their lives, they became victims of it. They didn't know how to handle it. And, you know, it's important that we are able to receive God's counsel regarding transitions, especially for our demography. Transitions abound. In fact, right now, we are we're transiting into the new year. So it's a transitional season. By the next few weeks right now, we'll be getting into a new year, 2023. It's a new season that is upon us. It's a transitional season. But how do we handle life transitions with grace so that we do not become victims of these transitions? Because transitions are inevitable. What must now be mastered is how you handle them. Transitions are inevitable. But how do you manage and handle those transitions? Extremely important. Transitions abound, and as much as we cannot change the inevitability of transitions, we cannot. We can learn to maximize the possibilities that they are leading with. God is the God of our journeys. To assume that because you are having an almost unbelievably exciting time at the moment does not mean it won't switch on you in a moment. I tell you the truth. The fact that you're having one of the most amazing time on campus, all right, doing great stuff in your fellowship does not mean it will not switch on you in a moment. The fact that you're having one of the most remarkable seasons as a brother in a local assembly does not mean that it will not switch on you in a moment. The fact that you're having a great time as a nation does not mean it will not switch on you in a moment. Transitions are bad. 
bound. What we must learn is the capacity to manage them. Of course, in the corporate parlance, we call that adaptability. But in the realm of the spirit and when it comes to spiritual things, it is also a skill that we can learn in a spiritual context. Because when you are not adaptable within the spiritual context of the word, you will become a victim. It's guaranteed. You will become a victim. The children of Israel are a classic example. They left Egypt and they did not realize that a transition had happened. That a transition was literally upon them. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, all the ceremonies were literally gearing them up for the obvious season, new season that was literally upon them. But guess what? Many of them were not aware that a transition was literally upon them. And they got into the wilderness and they began to desire the cucumbers and the onions of Egypt. They had left Egypt, but Egypt obviously had not left them. I can hear a voice in the background. Can you try to mute if you're the one? I mean, you can help with that as well. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The children of Israel could not handle the transition. And out of the people that left Egypt, only two were able to make it into the promised land. Every other person that made it into the promised land were not born in Egypt. So they did not have the baggage of Egypt that would limit them from entering into the promised land. Because every one of those people that left Egypt but could not handle the transition, they all died in the wilderness. And so this is a transitional issue. So when it even comes to faith, believing God, entering into your rest, entering into the promised land, it could be a reason, the, the reason for that, for not entering into the things that God has prepared for you, could be the fact that you have not learned how to handle transitions. You keep crying over spilled milk. You keep crying over seasons that you should have gone you know, away from. You keep crying over seasons and places and people that have left you or that you have left. And you keep talking about the good old days. You keep talking about and singing the songs of Zion in a strange land. And you're not able to bring Zion into that space. You keep talking about a, a you know, a distant memory. If your best encounters in God are in the past, it's a sign that you have not learned how to manage transitions. The best seasons of your life should either be in your present because there will be far better seasons ahead of you. So every season of your life, there is a way you must catalog the literal timeline of your life, you shouldn't have a better yesterday in God. If every single time you're cataloging all the miracles and the faithfulnesses of God in your life, you are always having to exalt the memories and the and the encounters of the past over and above the things you are currently expressing in your Christian experience. The challenge is that you have not learned how to manage transitions. You are still living in a cocoon of the past. You are still talking about the encounters on, on campus. You are still talking about the encounters in secondary school. How about the things that God is doing now? But you see, you have become a victim of that amazing season of your life in the past. And right now that God is bringing something into your experience, you are not able to receive it because you are, you are still you are still so overwhelmed by the glory that is obviously departed. How about you move with the cloud of glory rather than stay in the tents that God left? How about you move with the cloud of glory so that at any point in your life, glory is always just right above you. You are not talking about a season where there was glory. There will never be a season where you are referring to Israel as Ichabod, where the glory is, because every single time, the glory is a mobile moving machine in terms of your Christian experience. You are moving along with it. It's not something that used to be. Hmm. In the name of Jesus. Wow. I, I've not even begun to explore 
the specific lessons that the Lord has shared with me to to discuss with us tonight. And I and I hope for speed. Uh, I, I I probably will take a bit more time than usual. <laughs> so please just just flow with me. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, Acts 17, Paul was trying to communicate to the people of Athens. And he was talking about how that it's in him we live, it's in him we move, it's in him we have our being. And he was talking about how that God is the one that literally creates the boundaries of our habitation. He's the one that determines where we go, how far we go. So when you think you're going to Canada, it is God orchestrating your moves. When you go to this place, it's a job, it's an economic opportunity, it's a marriage that brings you somewhere, that brings you into a church. Those are the hands of God to get you into a place where you can come to know him. That means geographic changes, all right, economic changes, geographic transition, social changes, and realities they are all designed by god to bring us into a place of knowledge and intimacy with him because he said the re- let's go there so that i'm not just quoting from my head all right acts Acts 17 very quickly Acts 17 Acts 17 from verse 20 20 26 bible says and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and have determined the times before appointed, that is, the the seasons that you were born, God determined it. And then he says, the bounds of their habitation, where you live, the fact that you are in Nigeria today, God ordained it, praise the name of the Lord. And if you get to a place in Europe, in South America, Asia, tomorrow, another African country, God is also in the know. But understand the purpose of those transitions. It is, He said it is so that you can come to a place of seeking God. He says that they to seek the Lord. The reason why there are those transitions, the reason why there are those movements, the reason why those things are changing is not because God wants to change you. It's because God wants to continue to increase your knowledge of him. And sometimes he needs to transit you to get you to a place of a better understanding of him. Because when you understand what the, the, the journey between Egypt and the promised land was about, you should have understood that that journey was literally supposed to be a metaphor for their journey into the knowledge of God. That is, there was a season where you were in darkness, you were in Egypt, but now you are being translated out of the kingdom of darkness into light. And that translation comes with an actual transition. It begins to transit you. It begins to move you from that space where you did not know you needed God. And then you are moved into light. And then the things are beginning to change around you. And then you think that there are just physical transitions happening. But everything physical happening, maybe the marriage, maybe the job opportunity, maybe the jackpot, every single thing. It's so that you can come to a place of knowing God a bit more. It's so that you can come to a place of intimacy knowledge. It is so that you can, so if your transitions are happening, but they are not pushing you in the direction of the knowledge of God, you are wasting your transitions and you are becoming a victim of those transitions because those transitions are not following an intelligence. There is an intelligence that governs transitions and you must understand that intelligence in order to be able to maximize them effectively. So he says the reason why God is engaging geography, economy, all right, and all these things, sociology, culture, job opportunities, the reason why he's he's doing all of those things is so that he can seek the Lord. If happily you might feel after him and find him, though he is not far from you. And he says, for it is in him we live. It is in him we move. It's in him we have our being. Even as one of your poets has said, it's in him we live. It's in him we move. It's in him we have our being. Hallelujah. It's important to understand this. 
It's important that we understand it. A transition is the process of changing from one phase, one level, one state to another. Whilst many transitions be very exciting, like a lot of people were super excited when they joined the PowerPoint tribe, and a lot of people, I believe, are still excited about that decision because it's a place to be praised in the name of the Lord. Not all transitions are that exciting. Some can be hard. You almost feel like a major part of your life is being left behind at that spot where you used to be. Sometimes you cannot imagine life beyond what you have always known. And the transition seems like literal suicide. It may be a heartbreak. It may be breakup. It may be leaving a place. It may be leaving a job. It may be leaving a country. It may be leaving a family, literally. It may be leaving something huge. All right? It may be. But it's important that you understand that transitions are important to help you grow in your knowledge of God. So you can see in Acts 17, Paul made it very clear that geography, economy, opportunities, all the things, politics, in fact, everything is designed to be the hand of God that is moving you in the direction of intimacy with his knowledge. It's very important. So you don't cry too hard about what you'll miss. All right? Else your eyes will be too misty to see what's coming. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, now let me begin just share with you the two things that the Lord will have me share with you regarding how to handle transitions with grace. And I'm going to be using some types of metaphors and illustrations from the life and ministry of one of the greatest patriarchs in scripture. And I call him one of the greatest because he was a man who perhaps endured the highest volume of transition. So as far as this particular teaching is concerned, there is nobody better suited to profile and begin to examine regarding how he handled the transitions of his life. And the man is Jacob. The man is Jacob. The man is Jacob. The first thing you need to understand, all right, about transitions so that it would help you understand or it will help you handle those transitions more effectively is that you must prioritize your private God encounters because company only serves those who have learned to be alone. I'm going to say it again. All right. That's a very long but very heavy statement. The first thing you need to understand is that you must prioritize private God encounters because company only serves those who have learned to be alone. Those who have learned to be alone. Transitions can have very negative impact on those who have never learned to be alone. I tell you the truth. Even in the presence of other people, you must learn to be alone. Listen, if you are always a corporate Christian, that is your Christian is an environmental type. It is one that it is up when people around you are up. It is hot when people around you are hot. It is such that you leverage the strength of other people at all times in order to be strong in your own private life. If that is the kind of Christianity that you have, you are feeding off the strengths of others. God will never be able to start anything with you. He only fixes you amongst things that have already been started because such people will become casualties of the departure of a company. The moment the company leaves them, they will become a casualty immediately because they never really possessed individual light. They never really possessed individual fire. That fire was dependent entirely on the supply of the team that was around them, on the supply of the company that was around them. Listen, God will always separate you. This is how he will sustain you through all the transitions in your life. If he does not have a private encounter with you, you are just a disaster waiting to happen. It's just a bit of a few transitions that are going to happen in your life and bam, there is nothing to your Christian faith anymore because you never had a private encounter. There was no time in your seasons. There was no time in your, in your journeys in God where God separated you. Even though you were in the midst of many people, even though you were in the midst of many saints, even though you were in the midst of a congregation, a fellowship, a church, a people, 
God will always separate you to give you a private personal word. If you don't have such, guess what? You have nothing to sustain you in the seasons that you lack company. You have nothing. And there will be seasons that you will lack company. There will be seasons that God will take you away, that a transition will necessitate that you depart from a certain company. And if you are the kind of believer that only companies sustain your faith, you will become a victim of their departure or a victim of your own isolation because there are seasons that you need to be isolated. Are you still with me? Praise the name of the Lord. You need to learn how to spend time alone with the Lord. It's not every time somebody must be around you. It's not every time you must be. What if you are sent to a nation where Christianity is banned? What happens? Guess what? You will just flow along with everybody in that state. God will never be able to start a revolution with you because you are not an individual light. You are just a, a function of a collective. You are just a statistical data within the combination of all the strong believers within a certain sphere. If you are not one that God can start a thing with you, if he cannot start a movement with you, it is a sign that you are, your faith is only dependent on a company anointing, on a corporate anointing. And that's not a good sign. It means that you are just a transition away from shipwrecking your faith. You just transition away. And, and th these are truths that we need to hear and understand. Just before you jackpot, these are the things you need to understand. Just before you leave this country, these are the things you need to understand. Just before you, you, you transit to that very, uh, that very dynamic space where things will be happening so fast, you won't even know when you, when you, when you drop your Bible aside. You won't even realize that you didn't even travel with Bible. You won't even realize that, see, it'd be like, say, I don't even get any rudder again that is organizing my life and my decision-making. Because everything is not, it, it, there is a system that governs your life within that new context that you found yourself. And so a part of your life is increasing. There's money coming in. You are now earning in dollars. You are earning in, in pounds. You are not earning in euros. But there's a part of your life that is declining. And that part was the one that should never have been affected in the first place. That is the one that should have been soaring. Because listen, the reason for the boundaries, the reason for the historical realities, the reason why there is geography, politics, economy, is so that there can be a sense of desire towards the things of God. And so if any transition is affecting God and affecting your relationship with him, that was a transition that was not, that was not necessary for you. It was a transition that harmed your relationship with God, not one that helped and facilitated its growth. And you need to be careful of such transitions. And even when those transitions are happening, you must understand this, that you need to prioritize your private encounters and private God encounters because company will only serve those who have already learned to be alone. Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26, Paul was recounting his encounter with Jesus Christ. But guess what? He was not alone in that season. There were company around him. There were people that were going to go and persecute the church in Damascus together. They had collected the, the, the written approval from the chief priests, from the headquarters, and they were moving motioning towards Damascus and the Jesus accosted them and then of course the light shone around all of them and Jesus began to speak to Paul even though there were many only Paul heard the voice only Paul received that instruction that word was not for everybody so in the midst of a company you must learn how to receive a word for yourself so even though you're coming to church on a Sunday and the word of God is coming so powerfully and the worship is happening at the same time you must understand that even though we are having a collective experience I must learn to bring down 
a personal encounter, even from, from within the context of this collective experience that we're having. Even though the, the, the light shone on everybody, I must receive my own word. Even though the word of God is coming on everybody, I must receive the one that I can, that I, that I can implement immediately. I must receive the one that I will use tomorrow. Even though the word of God is coming on everybody, I must find a way to create a personal encounter even in that public ministry. It's important. It's extremely important. That was the life and ministry of Paul. Even though there were people around him when the light shone, guess what? He was the only one that heard it. (laughs) He was the only one that heard the instructions that God gave because Jesus came for him. They They were just there. But Jesus came specifically for him. It's important that we understand that. Praise the name of the Lord. From time to time, even without transitional seasons, we must look for avenues and opportunities to be alone. Especially when we are always found in the midst of people, there is always a group thing to do. Find a way, recline, get out of that place, go to a mountain, look for somewhere solitary, and then spend time with God. Spend time with God. Find Because listen, the thing that God tells you when you spend time with him, they are the things that will sustain you through your, the, the rest of your life. They will, they will sustain you through the length of your life. The things that God told me as far back as 2012, 2011, 2009, in my private, these are the things that are still sustaining my faith till today. Because I found a way to stay and hear him privately, even though I was in a retreat with many people, even though I was in in a meeting with many people, even though I went to hear a message, a, a conference with many people, I received a word. I trapped my own conviction. I trapped my own word within that context. That's the only way to do it. You can't just be having a corporate experience every time. Oh, how was it? It was awesome. How oh, it was great. What did you hear? What did you learn? Ah, to back forward here. Oh, dear God. That man did preach. And you, you just talk about the word in such generalistic sense because you are all about exciting your flesh. What have you received into your spirit? You can't really articulate it because you didn't have any private encounter there. It was all just... Hocus pocus. It was just all goose, goosebumps and emotional highs and sensationalism. And that, that was all you received from that meeting. And that was all. That was all. That was all. Trust me, the way the people who were with Paul that day will narrate that experience is totally different from the way Paul would have narrated the exact same experience. Because Jesus came for him alone. Jesus came for him alone. So in the midst of the noise, in the midst of the company, Find a way to recline. Find a way to go and nourish your soul. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Those are very private, personal, refreshing moments of fellowship. You don't get that in a public space. God can be ministering to everybody publicly, but he's paying attention to your private desire. He wants to minister to you privately because the words he will send into your spirit, the words he will speak to you in that moment, they can sustain you for a lifetime. But if you do not have that word, listen, you will become a victim of a lack of a company one day when you transit. 
because the moment you transit and you have always you are, you are like addicted to company that's what happened to people once they leave university campuses because they were so addicted to the company that the university campus afforded them once they leave that space they just become another man then they go to service here and they begin to act funny because nobody knows them I, I, well they're only a christian when people around them know that they're christians they're only a christian when you know people around them know that they attend this certain fellowship as long as that context is removed from them their individuality is lost because their individuality is submerged under the pressure of a company that is creating that sort of energy. Their energy is not. So guess what? They were literally not even giving company in the first place. They were feeding off the company. They were not supplying. They were not a joint that supplied. They were, they, were, they, were, they were literally leeching off the company because the moment the company is gone, then they see themselves for the true nature of their lack of spirituality. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope we're still together on this. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Praise the name of the Lord. It is in those seasons of private encounters that you learn to be still in his presence. Be still and know I'm God. In those moments, you recount the faithfulness of God in your life. You share your heartfelt concerns with the Lord and let him comfort you. Those are seasons of that are pivotal in defining and establishing your most innate source of identity. These things are things God furnishes in you in private. He doesn't do such surgeries in public. He doesn't furnish your heart with conviction in public. He will furnish your heart with conviction while you are shepherding your, your, your father's sheep in the backside of the desert. He will do it while you are in prison. He will do it while you are alone in the pit. He will do it while there is nobody hearing about you. Nobody is seeing you. Those are private encounters that will change your life. Because when pressures come on the outside, the things that God said to you in those private encounters, they are the ones you will take back and say, this is what the Lord told me. While I was disappointed sometimes, not too far, not too far ago. I mean, far away, I think 2017, when I was supposed to travel. And of course, we fell through and I couldn't do that. And then I went to prayer fast and God spoke some specific words to me. Till today, they are still sustaining my ministry. There are things you will not be able to handle. The transitions you go through, what you use to manage and organize and navigate those seasons of transitions are the private words that God gave you in a private encounter. Those are the things that will help you through to navigate those seasons. Praise the name of the Lord. Genesis 32 captures the story of a patriarch who, like I mentioned, arguably one of the most, you know, who, 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 who has had arguably the most transitions in his life. He changed from being a person to becoming a nation. Hallelujah. He had to separate from his family so that he could meet with God. If you would always be in the company of people, you may never have a God encounter that could sustain you for the rest of your life. He separated himself from his, from his wife, separated himself from his, from his children, separated himself, spent time alone, and then God met him there. Praise the name of the Lord. Beware when all your God encounters are within group or corporate context. All right? Beware. Beware. Praise the name of the Lord. What kept and preserved Peter and the priest, apart from the prayers of the unbelieving church, in inverted commas now, were the private encounters he had with Jesus while he was with them, while Jesus was with them. How he alone with Jesus walked on water. Till today, still a record. Jesus and Peter walked on water. Not only Jesus. 
because Jesus asked him to come. So he learned how to exalt the word of God above even the very presence, the physical, supernatural. He learned it in that moment of an encounter. So when Jesus was no longer there and he remembered his word, he went to bed. Even though others were so afraid of his life. And this is a king that had just killed James. Peter should have been worried. Remember, just a little storm. Peter was already asking Jesus, care us not that we perish. But this was a, a Peter that had learned. He had come from place of encounter and private, you know, encounter with Jesus. So by the time he was left alone inside the prison, there was no company of a church. There was nobody to pray with, pray with him, pray in tongues, build his faith and all those things. In that moment, there was nothing that could have sustained him apart from his understanding of what God had told him in private. And he went to bed. That was the most faith-filled activity in that moment. It was not to start praying out of fear and anxiety. He went to sleep because that was exactly what Jesus did as well. When he was in the storm, he did not start raising a vigil. He went to bed in the middle of a storm. That was how he did. He just acted like Jesus would act. Because in that moment, he understood that even the presence of Jesus was not sufficient to save him if he would not be his word. Because right in the presence of Jesus, he sank in the presence of Jesus. Peter sank in the presence. Jesus was in, he doesn't get closer than that. Jesus was right in front of Peter, but Peter sank. But if Jesus was never in his presence, or, or if Jesus was never right there, and he literally just went on the strength of his word that said, come, Peter may still be walking on water till today. Praise the name of the Lord. Because he went on the strength of the word. But the moment he began to observe lying vanities and the environment and all of those things, he began to sink, even in the presence of Jesus. He understood that it is not God visiting him in the prison that he needed. It is him remembering the word of God and sticking with it and acting accordingly in faith. And he realized that what Jesus would do in such a situation was to sleep. So he slept. And that was an act of faith. And angels came and they heard his faith. Hallelujah. And they broke the entire chains and they cut him out of the gates. Wow. Such a supernatural delivery. Just because Peter will just believe the word. And that, you see, what he was able to do in that moment of trial and temptation was on the strength of what he had come to understand in the private encounter. Because guess what? Only Peter walked on water. It was in the midst of several people. There were many there on that boat. There were many. It wasn't only Peter. There were at least maybe seven, eight, nine, maybe twelve. Let's assume Judas went to go and see one of the scribes. There were probably eleven. And Jesus was walking on water. And only Peter dared to ask that even though we are in a congregation, even though we are in a church, I dare to have a private moment with Jesus. And he asked Jesus, Dude, if it is you, should I come? And Jesus said, come. And he stood on the strength of that word and walked on water. That was the exact same thing that strengthened him in prison. The exact same thing. The exact same thing. He had learned to understand the power in the word of God. That ye in all these things, you are more than conquerors. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe also in God. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you shall also be. He remembered those words. He remembered that greater works that I did, you shall do. Because I go to my father. Glory to God. He believed those things. He believed it with all his heart. And glory to God. When trials and tribulations came, he did not flinch. He did not stumble. He did not become a victim of the departure of the church. Because even the church were not believing. Rhoda went to 
opened the door for Peter and went back to the company and said, ah, Peter is here, please, oh, I don't even understand. Why did you go back without opening the door? Like, is that over? I don't get it. But then they, 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 they looked at brother and said, she's mad. That how can you say God will answer us this quickly? Don't you know that God does not answer that quickly? Well, what do you mean? Maybe we didn't even believe what we were praying in the first place. Why would you be praying and then God answers it? And you're like, the person who came to give, give you and deliver to you the answer of the prayer, you said the person was mad. Who exactly is mad in this context? Why would you be praying a prayer you really do not believe to be answered? That means it was not really the prayers of the church that sustained Peter in adversity. It was the faith of Peter. And right in the middle of the prison, Peter slept. He was acting on the word. He was acting on a private encounter. If you don't have a private encounter, you become a victim of a departure of the saints. Because listen, there will be a season where you feel alone. No no church, nothing. If you travel, for example, now, you're not likely going to find a church in the first few weeks. I know people who've traveled for several months now, they've not found a church still. Still now, they've still not found a church. For several months, some even for one year plus. What will happen to your faith? (laughs) Glory to God. You must find a way that even in the presence of a congregation, find a way to spend time with God alone so that he can give you private words that will keep your heart convicted, especially in the days of adversity. Praise the name of the Lord. I hope you heard that. What preserved Peter in the prison, apart from the prayers of the unbelieving church, were the private encounters he had with Jesus while he was with him. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. If you're a corporate Christian, you will lose your faith in diaspora. God can't build things starting with you. And that's a very it's a very powerful litmus test. Can God start anything with me? Ask yourself that question. Can I start a ministry where I am? Because sometimes we think it's only Pastor Dami that is called Pastor Peace, Pastor Yinka, Pastor Mike, Pastor Itoro. These are the people that are called. These are the called ones. Because the day you will travel to a country where there isn't so much presence of the word, can you start a Bible study in your room? Can God start a work with you? That's how you measure how strong you are now. It's not then you will measure how strong. Right now, start measuring it right now. Ask yourself, can God start a work with me right now? If I were in a context where I'm the only person that is a Christian, can God start a work with me? Because Stephen was not necessarily ordained and called into the ministry. Philip was not necessarily called and ordained. It was from seven tables to Samaria and bam, the entire city was filled with joy because that man was literally an evangelist. But he was from seven tables. He didn't have anybody lay out on him. God sometimes will scatter you abroad, send you to the ends of the earth so that you can start a work. But you were weak when you thought you were strong in the, just because you were in a company that compensated for your weakness and your deficiency. It was not obvious to you that you were so weak until you got to a place where there was no company to, to cover all your errors. And so your weakness became so apparent. Years gone by, and you can't remember even what John, I, I, saw, I saw a quote or, you know, a, a, it was a video. They went to, you know, um, you know, gas stations asking people, quote a verse, just one verse of scripture. One verse, and I will fill your tank for you. Like this, just imagine you go to a gas station and you tell someone, just quote me any verse of scripture and I will fill your tank. No matter how much it is, I will fill it for you. Do you know none of these people were able to quote one verse, not one. And this is America that was built on the foundations of solid Christian patriarchs. And this is the America today. That they will go to a gas station and ask any verse. A lady tried to quote John 3.16. She couldn't finish it. God. You see, that's what happens. Because the heritage that birthed you, you did not enter into the spirit of the heritage. 
So the, the, the things you are enjoying today, can you become a supplier of the same? That's the question I'm asking you. Can you become a supplier of the things that burst you? The things that sustain your Christian experience? Can you? That is, if everybody on university campus were like you, would you have experienced the university campus you experienced? If everybody in Lagos were like you, will there be churches sounding the thing today? If everybody that traveled abroad were like you, will there be any church in diaspora today? That's how you think. That's how you think. If you will use anybody, use me. And it's on the strength of the private encounter. Number two, which is where I'll stop, of course, because just two thoughts, which will continue next week, just a two installment series. Number two, keep your rods close. The role of evidences of God's faithfulness and covenant relationships. So Jacob, I mean, he left his father's house, very young age. Of course, he was in contention with Esau left his father's house, went to Laban. Of course, you know, a lot of issues, contention. First was Leah, was married to, then from Leah to Rachel. Then that, of course, there was issues with Laban. He wanted to have his own stuff and start his own family and be independent of Laban. And then God gave him a strategy. And somehow or the other, he became enriched and powerful and material, uh, and was materially blessed. And then he needed to transit. And then he moved from Laban's house Praise God. And then he met Esau on the way somehow. Of course, that was where the encounter happened when God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Praise the name of the Lord. And then from there, he dwelt in Sukkoth. And then from Sukkoth, he dwelt in Shechem. And then from Shechem, he went to Canaan. And of course, he spent a long time in Canaan. That was where, of course, you know, Joseph was taken, slavery, all of that. By the time he spent a while in Canaan, he moved from Canaan to Egypt. <laughs> to Egypt. All right, when there was no bread again in Israel, he went to Egypt. So imagine all the transitions that Jacob went through. But in the, in the, in, through all these transitions, there was something that stayed with Jacob. There was something that stayed with Jacob through all these transitions. It was his staff. It was his rod. You remember I was talking to Esau in Genesis 32. He was talking about how that he crossed the Jordan with his staff and see him still with the same staff with two bands. When he was one man, the staff was there. When he had become two bands, the staff was still there. Guess what? At the end of his years, Hebrews 11, I believe 21, Bible said before he blessed the sons of Joseph, he laid upon that same staff and blessed them. What is it about this staff? This staff had been there from the beginning and it was there till the end. It was there till the end. So it may look like the flip side of the, of the same coin. You know, the first time I was talking about the place of private encounters, God encounters, exclusive of company. Right now, I'm going to be talking about support structures, which is the company God will send to you. Hallelujah. So I'm not, I don't have a problem with company. But you see, you must prioritize the encounters, private encounters above the company you have around you. But having received a private encounter, there is something that you must learn to lean on. It is the support structure that God has sent your way. It may not necessarily be just people. It may be a 
attachment. It may be a journal. There will be something in your life's journey that has been able to somehow catalog all the evidences of the faithfulness of God through your entire life, such that at some point, if you are about to forget an encounter, there is something to reference. There is somebody to remind you. There is a friend. There is a wife. There is a father. There is a mentor. There is somebody in your environment. Somebody around you can remind you of the faithfulness of God in your life. Many times there are people, many times there are support structures because this was the rod that Jacob leaned upon after the whole of his thighs were taken out of joint. This thing literally became his lifesaver. He could not move from place to place except by this staff. This staff was the only thing that was able to capture the essence of his, of his entire journey. No other person within his life was able to really capture what God had done. Listen, if you lose your rod, you will lose a portion of your journeys. You will lose a portion of the memory of the faithfulness of God. You, because the rod was supposed to be a witness of all the things that God has done for you, of all the seasons that you have been through God. Every single dimension of grace that you have enjoyed, a rod must be able to capture it cumulatively, not in scattered diagrams. No, cumulatively, a rod must be capable of reminding you at any point in your history, at any point in your life, all the things that God has done. That was why Jacob could not lose that rod. In some cases, that rod could be a journal, like I said. That was why Paul asked Timothy, bring for me the parchments. Give me the parchments. Sometimes it's a person, a person that has been with you from way back. And even if the person is not be, has not been there from way back, at least the person has been given the tokens and the stories and the testimonies and the witnesses of the things that has happened. And the person is like a compendium of everything that God has done for you, through you, and you know, in you over all these years as a Christian. And that person is like a rod that must never be neglected. There are rods that God has sent to you. There are support structures that you're supposed to lean on. So many people have displaced and removed and scattered their rod. So when they transition, when they move to another country, there is no support structure to sustain them in the times of, of adversity and affliction and tribulations and temptation. No support structure to lean on. Because even if they have private encounters, nobody to bring to their remembrance what God has been to them. That's one of the reasons why people stopped believing God. Because somehow or the other, there was nobody that could call them and say, brother, what's up? I remember you on campus. What is happening to you? They left their company. They left their company. They left their roads. They forgot it. Somehow or the other, they were no longer acquainted with the things that captured their testimonies in God. And so they now became victims of a transitional season. After a God encounter, you need roads to lean on. After God broke the whole of Jacob's tie, he had need for that rod. Rods are the support structures God will send your way in forms of people especially. Your journeys through life will be successful on the strength of your private encounters and your public company. One does not threaten the other. They must complement themselves. There is a problem with having a God-alone complex. There are people who say it's just all about God, only private encounters. I don't deal with anything publicly. It's just private encounters. It's just me and God. This is what God told me. This is what God told me. And whatever God told me, I will do it. You know, in my, you know, funny enough, I was reading, you know, Peter's wall this evening and he was talking about how that, you know, a minister of the gospel was very careful saying things. I don't care what anybody thinks. I just do what I want to do. You know, this is what God told me and I don't care who is offended. I just do, you know, and he was listing those things and I, and I found it to be so true. 
I found it to be so true that you know, yes, there is a need for God encounters, but it would it will locate and it will situate your inheritance amongst many witnesses. He will situate them amongst the saints. He will situate them amongst the cloud. He will situate them within a context of a church somehow. And so it's important that you do not allow your private encounters eliminate your need for public company as well. Because these things are not supposed to be fighting against themselves. It is together. You use that to power your destiny, especially through transitions. So when you go through transitions, there must be rods that have a way of reminding you of how God has sustained you through your past. Because without those rods, you just have a tendency to forget. You have a tendency to not realize that you have come from way too much to stop now. You have come from way too much to not be a weakling now. You have come from way too much to not be to not be useless, quote unquote, right? By the devil or by sin. Somehow God has sustained you through adversity, through seasons, and you just forgot because you lost your rods. You lost your rods. When you have people checking on you from time to time, those are rods to remind you that see, there is a company that you ought to belong to. Don't forget your company. Don't leave them behind. Come and join us. He situates the solitary in families. Even the rebellious also. Even the rebellious, he puts them in families. Just to protect them, to secure their lives, their inheritance in Christ. And so as much as he wants you to be strong, apart from a company, he also understands the role of a company in making you stronger. The reason why he wants to be strong within a company is so that you can add value to the company. Because if you are not strong apart from a company, you will be taken away from the company you ought to be supplying to. You will become a, a, a minus. You become a negative. Be drawing from a company without supplying back. And then you become a victim of departure because you were never a strong, you were never an addition in the first place. But it does not mean God wants to separate you from a company because there are companies dependent on you even as much as you are also dependent on a company. It is important that you keep your rods closed. The role of evidences of God's faithfulness and covenant relationships in your life. God alone may secure your heart from hurt, especially when you have to leave places, you leave people. God, may, God alone complex may secure your heart from hurt, all right? But it will make you offensive to the world that God loves, all right? Praise the name of the Lord. And men alone complex may give you networks and capacity, but it would obscure your view of God's will. It is important that you understand the role of rods in your journey, especially through transitions. The rod had been with him from the beginning when he crossed Jordan, even till the end when he laid down his life. When he prophesied on his children, the rod was there. He leaned on that rod. He leaned on that rod. I stayed with Jacob. This was the rod that stayed with Jacob throughout his journeys. He was a man with perhaps the highest number of transitions for a patriarch in scripture. Like I'd already reiterated, first he left his home, then he got married to Leah, then Rachel, then he had many children, then he left Laban, then he dwelt in Sukkot and then Shechem, then left for Canaan, then of course went to Egypt at the end. Jesus was, I mean, Jacob was a man of many transitions, but throughout all his journeys, he had this staff with him. He crossed Jordan with it when he ran out of his father's house and still had it when he returned as two bands, even up until death. Jacob was always with his rods. He blessed his children leaning on the same staff, Hebrews 11, 21. This rod represents your support structures and the evidences of God's faithfulness in your life. The people who have been there through it all with you, you need them. 
Jesus had John and Mary with him at the foot of the cross. These are people you are supposed to always have around you. They will be signs of God's love, faithfulness, presence, and promise in your life. Your parents, your family, your God-given friends, your mentors, your pastors. These are not just people to discard. No matter what, always go with your rod. Move with them. Don't leave them behind. You may leave a geographical location where they are no longer physically there with you, but don't leave them in your journey. Don't leave them in your heart. Don't just leave them behind and say, well, that bygone is bygone. You don't say that about rods. You carry them through your journey. There must be a catalog of God's faithfulness in your life. You can't just be hopping from one place to another, experiencing different things. God wants to make your life a cumulative, not just a scattered diagram. It's, it's, a, it's a culmination of a certain journey. Do you see? And there are people who represent different portions and aspects of that journey. And cumulatively, you must carry them along like that rod of Jacob. Praise the name of the Lord. Someone who was there when you heard God, who can remind you of what God had said to you. A Mordecai to your Esther. Without your rod, you will forget your God encounters and start pursuing lying vanities. Imagine if Esther did not have Mordecai. Mordecai who knew where she started from, who understood what God had in store for her, who saw the bigger destiny, the bigger picture. But obviously, I mean, Esther was already getting sidetracked and you know distracted by the dainties on the king's table and by being the most beautiful woman in, in all of uh, all that realm now. All right, King Atasasis, he had become, she had become the wife and, you know, she was getting distracted by all of that, the glory, the glamour, and she was losing perspective on the purpose of God for her life in that region. <laughs> wow. And the Mordecai came and, and, and jacked her back to life, almost like a CPR, a, a spiritual CPR. Come on, get back to life. What's wrong with you? You are here for such a time as this. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the encounters that brought you here. Don't forget the testimonies that sort of sustained your Christian faith up until now. Don't forget yourself. Don't just forget yourself because you, you have transitioned. You are now the CEO of a, of a multinational and you've forgotten how to pray. You've forgotten how to evangelize. You've forgotten how to be faithful in church. What is wrong with you? You must have someone in your life who at all times should be able to call you to order and draw your ears in the realm of the spirit and say, what is wrong with you? It doesn't matter how old, how powerful how how sufficient how 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 materially blessed you are there must be someone as a rod who can both wipe you with one hallelujah and remind you of where you came from like a mordecai to an esther else you may become a victim of a transition because if esther did not have mordecai she would have been of course a queen but she would not have, never have been written in the canon because we'll never have known her story. The reason why we have the book of Esther today is because of what her destiny carried and she fulfilled it to the letter. She fulfilled her destiny to the letter. If she had not fulfilled, we would not have read about her. She would have become, yes, a queen in some glorious empire, but who never fulfilled the call of God upon her life. She was humble, you know, you know, uh, orphan and all those things until she transitioned into the palace. And that was the end of it. Some people are amazing until they travel. Some people are great until they have a bit of money. Transition, they don't do well with transitions because they lack these two things. They lack private encounters that sustain their conviction, that makes them so independent of anybody trying to force them into things. They are convicted by the Holy Ghost because they have private encounters. But even with the private encounters, they have staffs and rods that they can lean on for support to remind them of those encounters and carry them and encourage them and, and, and inspire them and comfort them through their entire journey on earth. They lack those things. And so they become victims. They become victims. 
Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. It could be, all right, let, let me go back to some of the notes I've written here. These are not people to discard, no matter what. Always go with your rod. Move with them. Don't leave them behind. These rods often remind you of God's enc God encounters. It could be a parchment, a journal, a friend, someone who was there when you heard God, who can remind you of what God had said to you. A Mordecai to your Esther. Without your rod, you will forget your God encounters and start pursuing lying vanities. There are people you should hear from from time to time. Yesterday, for example, I called PD, just heard from him. Hearing from him just refreshed my spirit. He just refreshed me. Because for me, he's, 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 much, he's much more than just another man of God. No, I draw from him, hearing him blessed by spirit. Because he's just not random. Jethro happening to Moses saved his life in the wilderness. Just Jethro showing up, hugging him, giving him an advice, changed his life. These are rods. These are not just some random people. And may, may God give you the eyes to recognize the rods he has placed in your life. People you should never leave behind. You don't leave rods behind. You know, you don't move past rods. <laughs> yeah. So they have outgrown. Eh? You don't outgrow rods. Jacob carried that rod till death. From the beginning till the end. He had those rods with him. That rod, it was with him. Till the end. Perhaps that was why he had he had been sustained. Perhaps that was why he was able to remember all the, that God had done for him. Perhaps that was why he, he was able to become a nation from just being a man, a supplanter, a schemer. He became a nation because there was a rod that was there, reminding him of all the encounters he had had in private. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Leaving them behind sometimes is leaving behind a portion of your pilgrimage. That rod ensured that every single moment of God encounters was captured for future reference. Rods, don't forget. Jacob had that rod because even when he forgets, the rod will never forget. <laughs> the rod was there. He witnessed everything. Praise God. There must be people who are acquainted with the entire picture of your transitions. They know how it started, how it's going, and they're likely to be there when the curtain is about to be drawn on your life. Don't lose touch with such rods. They're your support structures. So as much as you want you know, as much as you must learn to cultivate God encounters privately, you must understand that your essence is most purposeful in the company of them that are sanctified. In seasons of transitions, there are people you will always hold on to to draw strength and fellowship from. So when you get into such a place, no church around, nothing, something you can call fellowship with them, pray in tongues for one hour, and you are blessed, and the fire strengthened, fired up again, and then you are able to become a light in a dark place because there are people to light your candle, even when the environment is not encouraging. They are rods to, to just push you over the line. Praise the name of the Lord. The secret here is to water these relationships with your presence, with gifts, with goodwill. Give and it shall be given unto you. So you are not necessarily carrying these rods and then you are just expecting them to be the ones giving to you. Somehow or the other, you must invest in those relationships because you will need those rods. You will need them. So the moment David got his biggest break, the first big break he had, he sent a relief to everybody that had ever been a blessing to him. He sent relief to them. He secured where he was coming from. He secured it. He secured it. That was guaranteed that he would never return to poverty and penury again. He secured where he was coming from. And then God began to increase him from there. You don't forget your rods. You don't forget your parents. You don't forget your friends. You don't forget your family. You don't forget your pastors. You, don't, you just don't forget them. The other time I, I just asked people, and I never brought it up again because I just felt, well, if you're not going to um, say, say, for example, uh, heed that, then I'll just allow God bring it to your remembrance. But it's a good time to mention it now. I remember talking about how that people who have been a person to you all your life, 
They may not have been there all your life, but they were there for a season and God used them to sustain you. They, 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 are, they are signatories on the road. They are there. God used them in a season. Send them relief. Send them a message. It's like water in a thirsty land. You know, just send them a word. Encourage them. Bless their heart. Tell them how impactful their ministry was in your life. Because without them, God would have had nothing to be on in your university days. God would have had nothing for me to even start with if some people in your university days were missing. You may have never even encountered PowerPoint Tribe. You may never have seen us. You may never have come close because somebody did a work. That is why we can do our work. So in a lot of ways, we are literally harvesting from the, from the lands that a lot of people have planted. You don't just forget. You carry those things cumulatively in your mind as rods, signatures, scars on that road. But that road has been there from the beginning till the end. The catalog your God encounters. Very important. I hope as I'm speaking and saying these things, they may seem a bit ab abstract, but I hope the Holy Spirit is just bringing them alive in your spirit and helping you recognize roads. But who are the people that I must never leave behind? That even though I transition, I transition, I become the president of the United States. And I, you know, I travel to the United States, you know, give birth to my child becomes, you know, whatever it is, you know, something that looks very far-fetched. I hope through all of those transitions, you will not forget the roads that sustained your growth. I hope you will not. All right, so give on to those relationships, all right, and all of those things. The disciples had a company to go back to after they experienced one of the most sudden and life-defining transitions of their entire lives, when Jesus died and was raised again. And that was a major transition for them, you know, very major. Imagine their entire life was dependent on Jesus' life and ministry. Now, Jesus had died, he had been raised from the dead, and he has gone to be, the, be with the Father. What was their lot? A lot of them were very, you know, especially before he raised from the dead. You know, many of them were just depressed. They didn't know what to do. Peter said, I go out fishing. These guys didn't know what to do with their lives. Thank God they had a company. So even after Jesus was raised from the dead and he spoke with them, it was a company that he sent to Jerusalem to tarry. It was a company. It was a company. If they didn't have that company, they would have been too easy for the devil to attack. If you had met only Peter, you flogged him two, three times, they would forget the gospel. But thank God he went back to his company and they were emboldened again and they prayed again. You need such people. You are not an island. You need people that you can talk to, pray with, charge up yourself. As a pastor, I have people that I speak with from time to time to just, just inspire me, just, just sharpen my, my iron. How do you expect somebody to be preaching every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday without anything supplying him? How? It's not just reading your Bible that brings those things. Sometimes you're just speaking and sharing and bam, revelation is sparking in your spirit because there's a company. There are roads around. Praise the name of the Lord. So the disciples had, they had their company. Thank God they had a company. They may have been dispersed, distressed, and easy to conquer. There is tremendous strength in coming into your company. Locate those who God has designated as your company. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Daniel's company. Jonathan and the mighty men of David were David's company. The disciples were Jesus' company. Who are those in your company? Lastly, I'll share this before I go into conclusion. Remember the man at the pool of Bethesda. This man had man. On the other hand, there was another man in Mark 2, sick of palsy, but his company will not let him stay sick. They carried him to Jesus and opened the roof and let him down to Jesus. Do you have a company that can tear down a roof for you? That's a very powerful question to ask. Do you have a company that can tear down a roof for you? And any company that is capable of tearing down a roof for you, they know you. They've known you for a while. They've seen you. They can testify of your character. They've seen how you are built. You've been friends with them for years. You have demonstrated goodwill, loyalty, faithfulness, character. 
Integrity. How do you tear down a roof for a friend? <laughs> you see, the credit actually goes to the man who has such a friend. He must have proven himself worthy of such a sacrifice. Because when the Bible looked, looked at them, he said he saw their faith. Of course, that faith was used in healing one man. It was not all of them that got healed. It was just one man that needed the healing. So at the end of the day, it was the man's faith that got him healed. But his faith translated to making friends that had such power to do such a thing for him. That spoke about the kind of friend that he himself must have been. Because if it was the friend that was not worth it, nobody would do that for you. Nobody. And so you must have such friends. You must have such rods around you. All right? Because sometimes they become your faith. When you are sick of palsy, when you cannot do something, those people become your faith. They literally become your faith in motion. Imagine God looked at them and he saw their faith. He saw them as a collective. All because one man wanted to be healed. And there were four men that carried him to that place. Do you have friends that can tear down a roof for you? Hmm. Distance will never separate you from your company. Find ways to keep in touch. They will help you through transitions. So people become victims of transitions because they don't carry along some of the roads that they, uh, that they established in their previous location. So if you had friends from university campus who you've been friends for a long time, most likely you'll still be in the faith till today. But you left all the friends, everybody that could remind you of the, the, the heritage of faith that you had, you left them behind. And now they have left you behind. <laughs> They've left you behind too because you left them behind. You didn't carry your rods with you. So you went to service here and you just were doing stuff. Nobody knew where you came from. You were just a shooting star, just doing stuff up and down. You're now the talk of the town, became the most popular guy on campus, went to OSBC. Then you had three girlfriends in two years, I mean, in, in six months. Three girlfriends because, well, nobody knows your heritage as a, as a pastor of a fellowship on campus or as, you know, a, a Bible study secretary. <laughs> Didn't carry your own with you. That failed in transition. Hmm. They help you through trans transitions. Never at any point in your journey should you leave your company. The God has designated for your good and stability. In conclusion, when Pharaoh asked Jacob for his age, Jacob captured his age in the most interesting but instructive way. His age was accounted for as the years of his pilgrimage. He knew that the end, at the end of the day, his entire lifetime is a journey. He knew that he was on a pilgrimage. Pilgrimage has a God connotation. Pilgrimage is a journey towards the city of God. So if your journeys are not leading to God encounters and growth and knowledge of him, your age hasn't done its job. Your age should advance your knowledge of God. Every transition in your life is supposed to draw you closer to the revelation of the knowledge of God's word. If a transition reduces your relationship with God, it was a transition that was negative in your life. No matter how much the other parts you know, of your life improved because of that transition. That transition was a negative. And it's a way of actually judging whether a transition is required or not. Will it improve? Will it bring me closer to the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will it draw me away from him? Those are the questions you should ask about these transitions. If you're able to establish these two things, you know, find a way to have private encounters even in the midst of a company so that those convictions can be strengthened, especially when the company is not available readily. Right, those private encounters will help strengthen your faith, even when you find yourself in a context where there's nobody around you. All right, you won't lose your head, you won't start misbehaving, you won't allow sin to dominate over your life because your strength is not drawn from you know exclusively a church, a company. And even after that, even beyond that, have roads that you can you know encourage yourself with friends, especially journals, testimonies, 
things that you have written down that can encourage you, that can steer you up, that can make you feel like, you know what, God has done too much. I can't leave him now. God has been so faithful to me. And you carry that rod till the end of your life. That is how God wants to sustain you through the many transitions you will go through. He needs you to have private encounters and he needs you to never leave your rods behind. I hope this has blessed you. Um, I hope I hope it helps. I hope it helps. We'll continue from this next week and wrap it up. God bless your heart. Let's just pray for one minute. And just pray that God help me in these two areas of my life. Help me. Give me a word. I remember several years ago when God gave me a word, I would never leave or forsake. Till forever. That word will stay with me. That was a private encounter. It was a private encounter. God gave me that word and it has established my heart. It doesn't matter what I go through. I know God is with me. I just know. I don't need any prophet to tell me. I know. That thing has never left me because it was a word in season. My heart was dry and thirsty and that word came. It was like water on a thirsty land and boom, I was nourished, I was refreshed. Till today, that word still refreshes me. You need private encounters. Sometimes, you know, you get bogged down with activities every season, every time, every year. This is a good time to go for a retreat. Hear God's word for your next season. You're about to move into the next year, for example. Hear a word. Don't just be depending on the word of God for PowerPoint tribe. Look for the things that God would have you do in the year 2023. Look for private words. Ask God for a private encounter. Because even when everybody heard and saw the light, only him heard the voice. Only him heard the voice from Jesus. Because in the midst of the company, you must still find a way to hear your own voice. I mean, to hear the, the voice of God concerning you privately. These are very important things in your Christian experience. And of course, ask God to help you locate your rods. For the rods that you have left behind, for the rods that you have forgotten, ask him to help you connect back with them. And of course, this is not to say that everybody that you have ever connected with in the past is meant to be a cumulative aggregate of your journey towards God. Not necessarily. There are people you need to leave behind as well. There are people you need to leave behind. But there are some specific people you can't afford to leave behind. They are too important in terms of their contributions to your destiny. You can't leave such people behind. They are your rods. You carry them till the end. You carry them till the end. Your relationship with God ultimately is a function of your private encounter with God and your relationship with other men that he has sent you to and that he has sent to you. Father, we thank you. We thank you because these words will nourish our hearts and will be established in these truths and in all righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for having me. God bless your hearts. Love you. Enjoy the rest of your evening. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.